0: Christmas, like I said, around the corner. My wife and I kind of procrastinated and we just finally put up our Christmas tree yesterday. Well, she did it, but I was there to support her. I was putting up the lights outside, but I remember growing up, I used to love, love, love putting up the Christmas tree. Well, my mom did it, but I used to love being there supporting her. But I remember as my mom was putting up the Christmas tree, I would be playing with these little ornaments. And she had these little figurines. And what I would do is I would get the NFL plastic helmets, the ones that I got from the vending machines. You put in a quarter and it came out. Anyways, I'd put them on there and I'd play. But once my mom was done and the ornaments were up, the last thing that I did was not put up the star. I put up a nativity scene. And I love my mom's nativity scene. It had the little monitos, of course. And what I would do is I'd put the little light by the nativity scene and it'd flare up. Something like this. You guys are familiar with nativity scenes? Now, all nativity scenes have, of course, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. By the way with us at our household, we wouldn't put baby Jesus in the nativity scene till December the 24th at midnight. And I would get the honor, I put it there and then we open up gifts. Side note, I used to go to friend's house where they had nativity scenes and baby Jesus was bigger than all the other figurines and that would freak me out. (laughs) I would imagine, imagine if baby Jesus got up and started crushing the other figurines like this big old giant sorry about that i digress but most nativity scenes also have little animals they have the cow they have the sheep some of them have camels and again most nativity scenes have the three wise men let me give you some characteristics of these wise men first of all many biblical scholars believe that these wise men went to visit jesus not when he was an infant A lot of biblical scholars believe by the time that the wise men got to Jesus, Jesus was about 18 to 20 months old. The other thing, many scholars, biblical scholars believe that there were not only three wise men, there were more than that. More than three wise men. These wise men were considered royalty. That's why sometimes we call them the three kings. They were probably wealthy, they were well-educated, and they knew astronomy. As a matter of fact, what led them to the Messiah, the newborn king, was the fact that they saw the star, and they traveled to worship him. One more thing. The wise men's name, the ones that we are familiar with, my mom used to tell me all the time that this one was Melkar, that one was Caspar, and some other one was Balthazar. Those names are not biblical Those names were taught through church tradition. What is biblical, though, is that these wise men, probably, most likely more than three, brought three gifts. You guys remember what those gifts were? They were gold, there was myrrh, and there was frankincense. Three gifts. Why? Why? Why these specific gifts? Why gold? Why myrrh? Why frankincense? Today, we begin our series that we've entitled, our Christmas series, we've entitled The Gift. We're stepping away from our Mark series, the Gospel according to Mark, and for the month of December, we're going to look at these three gifts. So, we you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to the gospel according to Matthew. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 2. Jump in in verse 10. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. Let me give us a little bit of context before we read these verses. Now, Jesus had already been born, born in the city of Bethlehem. And he was born during the reign of this king, King Herod. Now, Herod was not a nice guy. He was a horrible king as well. And as I mentioned, the three wise men, or the kings, saw a star and they went. They traveled about 900 miles to get to Jesus. And here's where we're going to pick up the story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When the wise men saw the star, it says, They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped Jesus. Then, opening up their gifts, they offered him these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, my question to you is why these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Jesus is almost two years old. Why didn't they bring him Legos or wipes or a stroller or a car seat? Why these specific gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh? See, as we're gonna see throughout this series, this Christmas series, these gifts were not only valuable, they were very symbolic we are going to see two weeks from now how gold symbolized the kingship of Jesus. Jesus, the king of kings. We're going to see next week how myrrh symbolized the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, the lamb of God. And today, today we're going to look at frankincense and how that symbolized the priestly nature of Jesus. Jesus, our high priest. Three gifts All pointing to who Jesus is. Frankincense. I wasn't sure what frankincense was, so I did a little study. And it turns out that frankincense is an oil with many purposes. It's very resourceful. And here's what I found out. Frankincense possesses anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, digestive, sedative, anti-aging, therapeutic properties. Now, back in ancient times, this oil was very expensive. And it was used to heal wounds and to cure diseases, sicknesses. But more importantly than that, frankincense was the oil that was used when the high priest would burn an offering to God. And as he poured frankincense, this oil, and lit the frankincense, it would make this smoke going up to the heavens. And this smoke... Symbolize the prayer of God's people going up to God Himself. Jesus, our High Priest, what does that have to do with frankincense? To answer that question, I want you guys to go back to the Old Testament to see where it all began, where the High Priest was first initialized. And the very first high priest was Aaron. And some of you, I think most of you are familiar with this guy, Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. And what we read in Numbers chapter 18, verse 7, is this. It says this, And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood, speaking to Aaron, for all that concerns the altar, and that is within the veil. And you shall serve... I give your priesthood as a gift, and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The priest, church, in the Old Testament had one primary role. The priest interceded between a sinful people and a holy God. That's what the priest's primary role was. The priest really just represented God's people before God. And how did the priest do this? In two ways. He made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. And he prayed on behalf of the people. That's how the high priest would intercede in the Old Testament. Between the people of God and God. He would make sacrifices and he prayed on behalf of God's people. Since the very beginning, church... Since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they sin, there's been two opposing forces. And these two opposing forces are the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Two opposing forces. You have the holiness of God and you have the sinfulness of man what is it what is it to be holy what is the holiness of god holy in greek is "ios," which means separate to be set apart and we know this i hope we know this church god is perfect god is flawless god is pure and holiness is not one of god's attributes holiness is the perfection of all of god's attributes Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 says this Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. It doesn't read, love, love, love is the Lord of hosts, even though God is all love. It doesn't read, mercy, mercy, mercy is the Lord of hosts, even though he is. It doesn't read, powerful, 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 even though he is what makes God holy. It's because he is perfect in all of these attributes. That's what sets God apart. His holiness makes him worthy Of all our praise. So you have these two opposing forces: the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. God is holy, and church, we are all sinful. Paul writes in Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what sin does? It breaks that intimacy between us and God. And this is why God hates sin. Sin messed up that fellowship that we once had with God in the garden. And this is why. This is why sacrifices needed to be made. And so the high priest, on behalf of God's people, would do sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, and he would pray. He would pray on behalf of God. Of God's people. The high priest once a year would go and make a sacrifice on behalf of God's people, but it was a temporary payment for the sins of the people. This day that happened once a year was known as the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. Leviticus chapter 16 talks in great detail of what happened. During this day, and I'm just gonna cover some bullet points for you guys. First, you would get the high priest, and he would cleanse himself a ceremonial cleansing, if you will. And then he would put on these holy garments. And then he would go up to the flock, and he would choose two unblemished lambs and one bull. He would sacrifice the bull for his own sins, for his atonement, and the atonement of his household. And then watch what he did next. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 8. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. So what the high priest would do is get these two unblemished lambs. He would cast lots. And the lot that fell on one lamb, that lamb would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of the people's sin. The other goat. The other goat would be presented alive as a sacrifice for the atonement of the people's sin. And then the high priest would would light the altar with frankincense. And like I mentioned, the smoke went up from the frankincense into heaven, symbolizing the prayers on behalf of the people to God. He was interceding at that moment through the sacrifice and through the prayer. The high priest was interceding between a sinful people and a holy God. After this occurred, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies behind the veil. There was the mercy seat. And he would get the blood from the animals that had just been sacrificed. And he would splatter the blood on the mercy seat seven times. And then... After all this was done, this is what he would do. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 20. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the life goat and confess over it all the iniquities of people, of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The high priest would get that lamb that was not sacrificed. And he would put his hands over the lamb's head. And that symbolized the transferring of the sins of the people onto that goat. The first goat was sacrificed for the payment of the people's sins. The second goat was then let loose, go away. And that symbolized that sin had been separated from God's people. I know what you guys are thinking. Wow, that's so cute. How nice. All that blood. What an awesome sacrifice. No. If you're like me, you're probably thinking, why all this? Why did all this bloodshed have to occur? I'm going to try to answer that as best as I can. Why? Because God is just. He is a just God and must punish sin. God cannot and will not turn a blind eye to sin. But God is not only just, he is a merciful God. And see, the sacrifice satisfied God's justice. But at the same time, it revealed His mercy. Let me say that again. These sacrifices, these sacrifices justified or took care of God's justice. But at the same time, it revealed what a merciful God we worship. And after all this had occurred... At the Day of Atonement, sins were forgiven and removed temporarily. Sins and had been forgiven and removed, but they were only removed and forgiven temporarily. This was a temporary covering church under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. We are not under the old covenant we are under a new covenant and i want to share with you what this new perfect once and for all covenant is hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 for god's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of jesus christ once for all time Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which could never, could never take away sins. But Jesus, our high priest, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for how long? All time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. In the old covenant, sins were forgiven and removed temporarily. In this new beautiful covenant with Jesus, which Jesus established through Jesus, our high priest, sins are forgiven and removed permanently. That's the great news. That is the good news. Church, at the cross where after Jesus was beaten, insulted, and he hung on the cross. He said it was finished. When he said it was finished, it was done completely once and for all. All sins were forgiven for those who put their trust in what Jesus Christ did for them. See, this old covenant, all these sacrifices were only foreshadowing of what was to come. The new and perfect covenant that is through Christ Jesus, our high spirit priest. It was the death of an innocent one in place of guilty ones. You and me. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Do you want to talk about a gift? This is is an incredible gift the gift of salvation that is given through jesus christ our high priest again the priest in the old testament his primary role was to intercede between a sinful people and a holy god today our high priest jesus christ still intercedes remember this church he intercedes for me he always has and he always will he's still interceding Romans chapter 8 verse 34 who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us our Savior Church our high priest is not a distant God Jesus Christ our high priest knows and he cares he loves you and me I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 humble yourselves don't be prideful humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you how casting all your anxieties casting all your worries casting all your concerns on him because he cares for you Jesus, our high priest, understands all our weaknesses. He relates to your trials. He sympathizes with your pain. The author of Hebrews says this in chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Why? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin jesus intercedes he understands exactly what you are going through at this very moment church believe that because i know some of you are anxious this is a season of anxiety do you recall that Jesus at the garden, as he was praying, because he knew what was about to happen to him, he was going to be arrested, He was going to be killed. And so we read in the Gospel of Luke that he was overwhelmed, he had so much agony that he began to sweat blood. Maybe some of you are in a season where your family is betraying you. If you recall? Jesus' family thought that he had gotten mad, that he was a lunatic. Maybe some of you have been criticized and ridiculed, and maybe some of you have been bullied. Have you read the Gospels? Jesus, for all of his life, was criticized, and he was ridiculed. Even as he hung on the cross, he was made fun of. Maybe some of you right now are grieving just lost a loved one family member jesus wept he wept when he heard that his friend lazarus died he knows church he understands i know some of you have been betrayed i know it maybe by a friend maybe even by your own spouse Judas betrayed Jesus. His friends, when Jesus needed them the most, left him all alone. And I know because I know this is a season of loneliness for many of you. So maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're feeling abandoned. Jesus at the cross, when the wrath of God was poured upon him because of our sins, he yelled up to his father and said, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Church, what you feel he felt. How you hurt, he hurt. Jesus, our high priest, understands. Why? Because he intercedes for me. And because he keeps on interceding for us, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Let us then with confidence... Have this confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you, are, are you in that time of need right now? Then come to Him with confidence because He cares and He understands. Right now, the worship team is going to come up and sing this final song. While they're singing, will you take a time and reflect? what God has done and continues to do in your life come boldly before him with confidence in any season that you're in right now let's pray father God we give you praise we thank you so much that you're not a distant God or a dormant God as your word says you're Emmanuel God with us Jesus I thank you that you care that you sympathize, that you understand, that you love us. You love us so much that you died for us. And you rose again, taking the punishment for us. And because of that, we have the greatest gift ever, the gift of salvation. But until we see you face to face, Father, please let it have this peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that only you can give us. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you guys.